Well, if you have a Bible this morning, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament. It's the fifth book in your New Testament, Acts chapter number three. As we are preparing this morning uh, to read God's Word, let me just say that I am expecting great things through this series. And uh, I think that's an appropriate response to a series on expectations. And so I hope that you'll join with me in expecting that uh, this series will be helpful for us in navigating life's disappointments, in navigating the expectations that we impose on ourselves, on others, on God, and the disappointments that we face when those expectations aren't met. And the reality and the experiences that we have in life don't live up to our expectations. And I want to read a story for you this morning to kind of set the stage for this series. Uh, Let me go ahead and say this up front as a way of reminder. Next Sunday, the 24th of May, we will not have a worship experience. Um, Every so often, we love to take an opportunity to honor Team Synergy, which is our incredible dedicated group of volunteers, and give them the Sunday off because, as you know, we're portable and they have to do so much for us to have church. And so next Sunday is one of those Sundays where we're honoring Team Synergy and taking the day off. So we pray that Memorial Day weekend is a weekend of rest for you and for your family as you spend time together. We'll continue this series on May the 31st with week two of The Expectation Gap. And today, um, I want to kind of set the stage for where we're going. In this series, we're going to talk about specifically dealing with um, a gap between the expectations that we have and the experiences we have, uh, in particular with others, with people in our lives, with family and friends who don't live up to expectations that we have, um, with God. That sometimes we have expectations that God will act on our behalf or uh, will perform life for us in certain ways and those expectations aren't always met. And then um, with ourselves, sometimes if we're honest, we just don't live up to our own expectations of ourselves and our own actions. And so hopefully this series will be helpful. But today I want to kind of talk to us about our attitude of expectation and uh, the lives that we lead and the role that expectation plays in those. I want to read a story Uh, in Acts chapter number 3 to kind of set the stage for that this morning. One day, Peter and John, Peter and John were disciples of Jesus, uh, one of his 12 closest followers, and Jesus has now been crucified, resurrected, and ascended. Uh, The movement of the church has begun, and now we see Peter and John uh, going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Uh, I personally think that um, if you're going to be uh, someone who begs, that this is probably a good place to beg, that that typically church people are considered generous, and so he's sitting outside the entrance to the church, and he's begging for money specifically. This is a crippled man. This is a man who can't make a living for himself, and he's asking for people to help him, to bless him, to give to him that he might have some needs met. Um, And so he's sitting outside begging from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now, I've never sat and asked for people for money, but uh, I've come in contact with people who have. And my thought is that more often than not, they get told no more than they get told yes. 
that probably more people pass them by without giving them anything than people who actually stop to give them something. And so I can imagine that this crippled man is sitting outside of this gate and he's just asking, any money, any money, any money? Anybody want to help somebody out? Anybody got anything to offer? And here comes Peter and John and he's given the same line asking for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. Now, I think this is interesting because Peter and John, Peter specifically speaking up, is calling for his attention. Okay, I would imagine that on this particular day, as with many other days, this man would have sat hoping and begging for someone to give them something. And many people, if not most people, probably just walked on by, acting as if he weren't there, ignoring him and just going about their business as if they didn't even notice him. He was probably used to that, but here's a man that speaks up to him and says, says hey, look at me. He asks for his attention. Now, if that happens to you and you're in that scenario, in my mind, I'm thinking you're expecting that you're going to receive something, Right? They're going to say, hey, 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 let me give you something. Let me offer you something. Let me uh, put something into your hat or your bucket or your cup or whatever you're collecting in. And so I imagine that as he looked at them, he became hopeful. He became expectant. Let's look at what happens. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. There it is. He's expecting to get something from Peter and John. Namely, he's asking for money, and so he's expecting to get money. This may be the day that I strike it rich. Maybe today it's a 20. Maybe somebody will give me a 100 today. Maybe today someone will be generous enough to bless me enough where I don't have to sit here all day long, that I can get my needs met and get about my business. And so he's expecting as he's looking at these two men. And notice the phrase that Peter says here. Silver or gold, I do not have. There it is. You ever said that? You ever seen someone on the side of the road, on a sidewalk, in a, in a busy place as many people are passing by and, and they kind of confront you and they ask you specifically, hey, you got any money? Can you help somebody out? And maybe if you're like me, you would say something like, I'm sorry, man, I don't have any money. And so this expectant attitude, I'm sure, was crushed. Oh. You again. You asked for my attention, and now you're telling me that you don't have any money. So go ahead. Let me have it. Tell me how I should be out getting a job. Tell me how I should be out providing for myself. Go ahead and make fun of me. Go ahead and ask me to leave the entrance to the temple that's not appropriate. I've heard that story before. Yeah, come on. Let it on me. And this expectation that he had just for a brief moment vanished with a few simple words. I don't have any money. I can't give you anything that I don't have. But notice what Peter goes on to say. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Listen to this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now this is different. He's never heard this. He's been told no. He's heard I don't have any money, but take me by the hand and tell me in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I don't have any money, but I can offer you something. And if you're asking for money, the statement, I don't have any money, creates a gap in your expectation and your experience. And you're hoping, you're just wishing that you could have some needs met. And when you hear those words, all hope is lost. But then, out of nowhere, comes an instruction that changes your life and gives you what you really need and not what you think you need. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to talk about expectations. And Lord, so often we deal with unmet expectations. Uh, Sometimes we have unrealistic expectations. And sometimes we're guilty of lowering our expectations. But Father, I just believe that you're in the business of helping us to live life in spite of unmet expectations and giving us a grace and giving us what we really need through the difficult disappointments of life. And I ask this morning specifically for all of us who may be dealing with unmet expectations that today, this morning, you would give us hope when there seems to be no hope. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So the expectation gap is this, it's this disconnect, it's this gap between our expectations and our experiences, what we hope for and the reality of our lives, what we're wishing for and based on whatever evidence that we've compiled that we actually expect to happen and then that doesn't happen and there's a gap. And the question of this series is what do you do with the gap? What do you do with the gap? And... Um, If you're like me, you've experienced unmet expectations. This is something that we all deal with. And my goal through this series, just to be honest with you up front, isn't to teach you how to fix the gap. I don't want to teach you how to live life to where there's no gap, because truth be told, you can't control the gap. People you love the most are going to disappoint you, and they're going to fail to meet your expectations. You yourself have failed to meet your own expectations. How can you expect that everyone in the world will meet all of your expectations? And so this isn't a series about how to fix the gap. It's rather a series about how to fill the gap. Because how we respond to disappointment is critical to our lives as Christians if we claim to be followers of Jesus. And some of us fill the gap with anger. And some of us fill the gap with bitterness. And some of us fill the gap with revenge. But I believe that Jesus has a plan for us to fill the gap with hope that will help us get through those disappointing times, coming out having been better for it instead of never experienced it at all. When I was 27 years old, I was fortunate enough to marry the woman of my dreams, and I had idealistic expectations of marriage. I had thought long and hard about marriage. I had dreamed of marriage. And in particular, one of the things that I was excited about in marriage was the benefit of being married financially. See, I had an income on a personal level, but I was marrying a woman who had just gotten a job out of college, and I knew the money that she was making, and I was looking forward to combining our income because in my mind, life would be better with more money. 
You can probably attest to that on some level. You've had expectations in marriage, and, and then you carry those expectations into your marriage. And like many of you, those expectations weren't met the way I thought they would be met. See, after Lindsay and I were married, and we went on our honeymoon, and we came back a few weeks later, I got in the mail basically a bill. It's a statement. And it's a statement concerning a student loan that she had that I had never heard about. I was excited about combining our income. I was excited about being able to do more and experience more in life and having more things than I had. But here I'm staring at a bill for over $18,000 in student loans that I did not realize I was inheriting. Now, many of you have student loans. I'm not against student loans. You've got to do what you've got to do to get through college. Um, I understand you can relate, but in my mind, I thought maybe at some point this would have at least come up. You know, like maybe at some point when we're in premarital counseling and we're talking about finances or maybe when we're having conversations with one another, you may have at least mentioned to me that you had $18,000 in debt that I was going to inherit with you and be responsible for helping to pay for. And so Lindsay came home from her job that I was excited for her to have because it was going to make my life so much better. And she walked in the door and I said, um, Lindsay, can we talk? And she said, it's been a long day. And I said, I don't care. It's about to get longer. I threw this statement at her and I said, what is this? And she said, well, um, that's, those are my student loans. That's money that I owe. And we had an interesting conversation for the next little bit. See, I had expectations that financially my life would be so much better, but instantly I inherited more debt than I had ever had in, in a consumer, on a consumer level. And we spent the first year of our marriage paying off a student loan instead of living it up like I thought we would. I asked Lindsay if I could share that story, and she said, you can share that story as long as you share the other story. <laughs> so the other story, which I don't feel is quite as dramatic, but she does. She joined me just weeks before we were going to be married for a baccalaureate service. Graduating seniors from high school were having a service to be sent out and commissioned into the world. And as a student pastor in the community, I attended this event and Lindsay attended with me. And we met a principal from one of the high schools where I was in ministry as we walked in and we had some conversation and I introduced him to my wife-to-be and he broke news to her that I had failed to break to her. He says, we're so excited about your husband helping coach basketball this year. We know he's going to make an incredible difference in the lives of our students and athletes. And right when he said it, I cringed because I knew that I had committed to something that I had never told her about. And we were getting married in August, and just a few short months later, I would have every weekend for the next four months taken up with basketball games. And I would have evenings at practice. And I had not mentioned this to my wife. And I heard her say to this principal, Oh, yeah, well, it's, I'm glad that he's able to do that. 
And as soon as the baccalaureate service was over, we had another interesting conversation where she says to me, you think this is something you could have mentioned? She had expectations of spending lots of quality time, specifically on the weekends, with the man of her dreams, who was now committed to spending his time away from her for about half of the year or a little less in their first year of marriage. We have expectations. We carry these expectations into situations of life, and we hope for the best in people. We hope for the best in situations and circumstances, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. And sometimes those expectations are far from the reality that we actually live, and that gap that we're faced with, that we're left with, can be a lonely place. It can be such a disappointing place. It can be a hurtful place. It can be a place that leaves us wishing we had never gotten our hopes up. You've been there. I remember my first job as a high school student at Walmart working in the pet department, and I knew how much I was making an hour, and I knew on my first paycheck how many hours I had worked. And I got my first paycheck, and something was wrong. They had done bad math. Because my paycheck did not equal my math based on my rate and my hours. And I realized that I had an uncle that I had never met. His name was Sam, and he is a greedy man. And I realized that all of my life, I'm going to work and earn money that I'm going to give away for causes that I may or may not even agree with. You've been on first dates, potentially, that didn't go anything like you expected. And on deeper levels, you've been in marriages and you've been in friendships. You've been passed over in the job place. You've hoped for things in life that just didn't work out like you planned. And you're left with this gap. And what do you do with the gap? And how do you fill the gap? And what's the gap look like? And I want us to talk about our attitude in expecting things. Because, you know, I'm afraid that some people live life in such a way that they're afraid of the gap. And rather than expecting great things in life or out of life, they simply lower their expectations. And they just live life in such a way that says, oh, you know, got a new job, must be nice. You know, good for you. You know, I'm just never going to have that relationship. I'm just never going to get that promotion. You know, good for you. But me, just, you know, lowly me, I'm just going to live my life over here the way I always have and nothing good ever happens. And, you know, I just don't have the luck or the circumstances that you've been given. And we tend to live life with no joy and no peace because we have no expectations. And I would never propose to you that that's the way to rid yourself of the gap. In fact, I want to encourage you this morning to raise your expectations, to have an anticipation in life that's not built on personal gain, but that's built and rooted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and what he offers for us in life and the hope that he brings even in hopeless situations and the joy that he brings when we should receive no joy and the peace that he brings when there's no possible way that we should have peace because he is a God who cares about our disappointments and our failures and our expectation gap. So Peter and John are on their way to church for a prayer service. 
And they see a man, he's been crippled from birth. We don't know exactly how old he is. But I imagine for a large portion of his life, he's been out begging and he's found his sweet spot outside of the church, hoping generous people on their way to pray to God can meet him where he is and supply need that he's unable to supply for himself. And just like a lot of days, he hears the words, I don't have any money. And that may seem insignificant to you. It may seem like it's not a big deal. But for a man who is hoping to make a living by asking people to give him something, I don't, I don't particularly care what your view is on people who ask other people for money for a living. We're not here to talk about that today. But let's face the reality that his hope and his expectation would be that he would gain a certain amount of monetary provision on that day so that he could have his needs met. And he hears the words again, I don't have any money. And you can almost feel in this story the disappointment rise up in him and the expectation flood out of his heart, out of his mind. That again, here comes a negative experience. But something different happened and it's so mind-blowing to me the grace that God gives a man who's living in disappointment by creating disappointment in his life. See, the disappointment that he heard in the words, I don't have any money, led him to an opportunity to receive something that he didn't even know was possible, to receive something that he needed more than money in that day, and that would change his life much more than money could ever change his life. And Peter takes him by the hand and says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. No money, not trying to put food on your table, not trying to help you get to your next place in life. I want your life to be transformed. I want your life to be completely revolutionized. Can't give you any money, but I want you to walk. And the man stands on his feet and strength comes to his legs. And a man who's been crippled for his entire life begins to walk and run and jump and dance and experience a joy that no amount of money which he was expecting could have ever brought him in this life that we live. And he joins them for the prayer service. And not only is he encouraged by the ability to walk and run and dance, but people around notice that's the man that was crippled. That's the man that was always asking for money. That's the man that I always ignored, that I kind of brushed by, that I acted as if I didn't see, that I walked in the other side of the gate. That's the man that was out there. He was the nuisance. He's the one that, that we wished someone, anyone would just tell him, you can't be here. This is a holy place. This is a place where we're going to worship and to pray to an incredible God. And you have no place begging and asking God's people for money. Go somewhere else and do that. That's him and he's now with us. God cared enough about him to do in him more than we were even willing to do in him. It's a beautiful story of grace. But here's what I want us to see today and just became so real to me this week as I was studying. This man had expectations as big or small as they may have been about receiving money. 
Now, money couldn't change his life, let's be honest. Most people aren't giving him a year's salary or a month's wages if they're giving him anything that he is just barely making ends meet, I would imagine. And as he's begging for money, as he's expecting money, as he's hopeful for money, he fails to realize that there is a God who is about to be prayed to by people who are passing by him who can do much more for him than money ever will. And the disappointment that he receives in not getting money pales in comparison to the transformation that he could experience in Jesus Christ. And God could offer him so much more than he ever expected. And I wonder about my life. How many times I expect so much less than Jesus has planned for me. And I hope for so much less than God has to offer for me, for my family, for my church. That I find myself engrossed in getting something that I feel will make my life richer when Jesus has plans to change my life altogether. He knows what I need and not what I think I need. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I have to learn to trust that sometimes my disappointments are the result of expectations that aren't properly focused. But they're unmet expectations still. What in your life, I wonder, are you dealing with even this morning as an unmet expectation? What did you hope for would be a reality right now in your life that is far from a reality? What in your life have you surrendered all hope and all anticipation to gain something because the circumstances that you're staring in the face would tell you that that's an impossibility? And I just wonder if perhaps God can use that disappointment to do something in us that's far deeper and far more beneficial than we even hoped for to begin with. Lindsay and I, as most of you know, are expecting our third child any day now. And uh, just to go on record on Tuesday, if our little girl hasn't come before, Lindsay's going to be induced. And so we hope, Lord willing, to meet our little girl on Tuesday. And we are expecting... This incredible miracle, this blessing, as so many of you have experienced, the blessing of childbirth. And we're hopeful and, and we you know, are anticipating the great things that this little girl is going to bring to our life and the joy that we're going to have that comes with a baby. But as many of you know, we also have had two other children, and we know that sometimes that joy fades in those first few weeks when the eagerness is met with crying, and the joy is met with chores and figuring out why he or she is unhappy. But here's what I want to share with you. We're expecting our third child now. We're about to see and meet our third child, Lord willing. But this is the fourth child that we've expected. 
See, before our first son was born, Lindsay was pregnant and she miscarried. Many of you ladies have experienced the tragedy of miscarriage and losing a child and having the life leave you, literally. And as great as the anticipation and the expecting is, so much greater is the disappointment in that scenario. And many of you know the complete 180 degree shift in your attitude, in your thoughts, in your life when you get that news. When you see on the screen that there's no heartbeat and there should be a heartbeat and you do a little deeper study and the doctor looks you in the eyes and says, I'm sorry to inform you, but you've lost your child. See, in that moment, there was hopelessness. I remember going home and trying to be strong for my wife and encourage her that God's in control, but I remember getting alone to myself and just crying like a baby because I had put so much hope and so much expectation in this child that God was blessing us with, and now that child had been taken from us. And so many times, I want to try to live my life in such a way that I don't have to experience that. How can I live in such a way that I can get rid of the gap? You know? How can I make sure that my expectations always become realities? What can I do? And I always try to look at myself and say, what did I do wrong? You know, maybe we shouldn't have told people so early. And, and maybe we shouldn't have gotten our hopes up. And maybe we should have waited to a certain point before we even got excited about it. And we learned those lessons, believe me. But the truth is, in life, there is disappointment. There is trouble that you will face, that I will face, that you can do nothing to prevent, to avoid, that you're going to have to deal with. And here's what I'm learning more and more, is that instead of trying to fix the gap, it's important for us to fill that gap, and to fill that gap with hope that's found only in Jesus Christ. It's not about lowering expectations to match up with realities, but rather it's about living life in such a way that we're expectant for God to do something in us and through us. And we trust that even in the times of disappointment, God can see us through and make us better for it. See, I'm, I'm convinced now that seeing the news that my wife was bringing a student loan into our marriage only prepared us for life as church planners. We learned to live on a budget. We learned to do without. We learned to save and we learned to live life in such a way that we never would have if we had not had that experience. I'm convinced that my lack of communicating with my wife taught us a lesson that God was able to cultivate in us the importance of communication and always being on the same page and making sure that we live life together as one. Those aren't wasted areas of our life. And I'm convinced that losing a child was God's way of preparing our heart to deal with the hard things that were ahead for us. That we were able to come together and love one another through the storm and trust God that he was in control even when life seemed to be out of control. 
See, it wasn't about getting rid of the gap. It was about surrendering the gap and saying, Jesus, in my disappointment, in my, expect, in my unmet expectation, in my lack of reality that doesn't match my expectations, would you do in me and through me what only you can do? And like a crippled beggar at the church doors, Jesus can take unmet expectations and transform lives. He can take a man hopeful for money and let him walk. And he can take a couple with financial, with communication, with child loss, and teach them and mold them into who he wants them to be so that they will have the tools necessary to be successful together in the future. What's your gap look like this morning? It might be based on a relationship that hasn't met your expectations. It, it may be based on yourself and your failure to be who you thought you could and should be. It could be based on God, that he hasn't been the God that you thought he would be in your life. And when we don't understand and when we're faced with this gap, my challenge to you is to stop trying to get rid of the gap. Stop trying to close the gap. Stop trying to figure out the gap and how to get rid of it. But start surrendering that gap to Jesus and just say, Jesus, here is my disappointment. Here is my failure. Here is my hopelessness and my tragedy. And would you do something with it that only you can do? And I trust that you will. And I will wait patiently for you, because as Ephesians 3.20 says, a verse that I absolutely love and you hear me say so much, as Paul's closing out his letter to the Ephesians, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. We might ask for money, and we don't even realize that there is a God that can help us walk, that can take our lameness and rid our lives of it altogether. And we're so often just expectant of money when Jesus wants to give us healing. We're so expectant of the things in life that center around ourselves that we can't see that we're just in the shadows of a God who is waiting to do something incredible in us and through us. Your unmet expectations are no limitation for God's love in your life. Your unmet expectations are no limitation to God's love for your life. And I believe this morning that he wants to offer you opportunities in spite of your disappointment. Can we pray together as the band's coming? Father, thank you for seasons in our life that we don't feel as if we should be thankful for. Thank you for those disappointments that we carry right now that are actually opportunities for you to work in us and through us. Thank you, Father, for the moments in our lives where we feel as if you're nowhere to be found because we can trust 
that you are with us and you're working behind the scenes even when we don't see the reality of that. Here's how I want to end our time together. It's just simply, I just want to have a time of prayer where I can just pray for you and not to drag anything out. If you're here this morning and you're dealing with unmet expectations and you have disappointment, heartache, and trouble that you're facing right now, and you want to, you have a tendency to want to get rid of that gap and that disappointment, today you want to surrender it to Jesus. Would you just stand and let me pray for you? Is there anybody in the room that would just say right now, I want to surrender my gap to Jesus and allow him to transform my life instead of getting rid of some disappointment? Anybody else? We'll give you a few moments. I know that sometimes it's difficult to respond publicly. All over this room, I know that there are situations and circumstances that I know nothing about but are real. I want to say to you that your disappointments aren't completely your fault. You may have made some choices that may have led to them. I don't know. Maybe they were out of your control altogether. But at the end of the day, disappointment is a reality for us all on some level at some time. And what you're dealing with right now and going through right now isn't too big for the God of the universe. And I want to pray with you right now that he would take your disappointment, he would take your gap, and he would transform your reality even when you don't see how anything good can come out of it. We know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Father, you see these men and women and students who are standing all over this room and who may be in their heart standing by listening to this podcast or this sermon online. My prayer right now is that the disappointment that's creating a gap between expectations and experience, between expectations and reality, would be flooded, even in this moment, with your love and kindness, with your Spirit's power to transform us and to change us, and to make us into who you want us to be. And we pray that you would use our gaps for your glory. That even when we think what we need has been lost, you will do something completely new in us and through us. And may every person dealing with disappointment right now just be flooded with the love of Jesus, knowing they aren't alone knowing that they haven't messed things up so far that God can't put their life exactly where he wants it to be. And I pray for peace, and I pray for joy, and I pray for power to be who you want each and every person to be. And at the end of the day, like the, like the lame beggar whose life you transformed he saw other people rejoicing with him because what you did in him and through him was evident to all. And may we be beacons of light in a dark world, not because we have everything together and we have lives that are so put together, but because you have done in us what should never have been possible 
in light of our circumstances. And I give you glory for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do and the reports that we're going to hear of how you transform lives in the midst of disappointment. And for that, I thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.